0: speed cafe newscast your host mark fogarty
1: coming up winners are grinners ford finally happy after parody row barrier buster betty on her breakthrough supercars title wins Triple triple eight and djr lament gen 3 drain and bigger and better Bathurst 12 hour it's all straight ahead on the Speed Cafe newscast. Hi there, race fans. I'm Mark Fogarty, and here's what's happening. The Repco Supercars Championship is over, but the season isn't done. As Brody Kostecki and Erebus Motorsports celebrate their titles, Supercars and the Gen 3 homologation teams, Ford's DJR and Chevrolet's 888, are preparing for wind tunnel aero tests in America. It's now confirmed that the testing will be conducted at the Windshear Wind Tunnel in Mooresville, North Carolina, over three days from December 8 to December 10. Running up to 12 hours each day, the aero measurements of the Gen 3 Camaro and Mustang will be attended by supercars officials and technical staff DJR and 888 engineers, and also representatives of Ford Performance and GM Performance. It is a big exercise, costing upwards of a million dollars. Now, the test cars are already in Mooresville, and Supercars technical staff and homologation team engineers will start heading over there as early as Tuesday this week. It's confirmed that incoming Supercar's manager of motorsport Tim Edwards will attend the tests, replacing Adrian Burgess. Supercar's chief executive Shane Howard will also be there. The Camaro will be used as the baseline to establish aero data, with the Mustang then fine-tuned in the wind tunnel to match the Chev's figures. Amid Ford's late season domination following aero tweaks talk about the American test program-dominated post-championship discussion. Triple 8 boss Jamie Wincup told Speedcafe FA Supercars editor Daniel Herrero that he's confident the wind tunnel testing will end the Gen 3 parity dispute.
2: Uh, we've been heavily involved with the whole process, which includes probably the last really six weeks have been Working with supercars closely on making sure we've got the tools available to go to the wind tunnel and uh, be able to make the appropriate adjustments on our car if required. Uh, no doubt the other side will be doing the same thing. Um, our guys will leave, I believe, on Thursday. As early as Thursday um, for the for the program. So we're um, as of, as I've of, as it's been heavily quoted where it's fantastic that they're that they're doing the test we can't we can't wait um, and hopefully we get the most out of it and then we put the whole matter to bed both cars will be, be the same and then we just move on the Fords have had a very strong finish to the season after they had that latest aero tweak do you think then was there something to their gripes throughout the year Uh... I'd prefer not to comment on it. You know, it's we we don't know. I, I think um, we're gonna we're gonna find out a lot of information at the wind tunnel on where we started, where we finished. So um, I'm not sure how much inform- how much of that information is gonna be shared. If it was me, I'd, I'd just i just expose everything, all the findings from the um, from what we what we know. But um, you know, we've got a great opportunity to, to know exactly. Um, all those story, all those question marks can easily be answered or, and will be answered in the next couple of weeks.
1: Cup further explained that there was a bigger than expected burden on the Gen 3 homologation teams and that he's looking forward to Red Bull Ampole Racing being free to fight back unencumbered in 2024.
2: Yeah, 100%. It has... Um it has been a huge responsibility, a much bigger than what we signed up for, where we put our hand up to be the homologation the <coughs> team, thinking we're gonna do one VCAT and then that was it, you know, and it's gonna be handed over. But to think we did a a pre uh, we did a mini VCAT, two and then two V we did three VCATs and it basically be going all year up and down, backwards and forwards. Um, you know, the 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 workload on ourselves and DJR have been huge and this, you know, it's no doubt DJ aren't going to be second in pit lane to start the year because of the, because of that extreme workload and um, responsibility that, that they took on. So we, we, we felt we felt that as well, so 100% I'm looking forward to um, putting most of that behind us next year and um, just concentrate on just our cars and, and our customers and going fast.
3: So if you think that cost them second in pit lane, do you think that cost you a championship?
2: Ah. Uh, I won't I won't say that I won't I won't say that I, do, I don't want, only because I don't want to take anything away from from Erebus and Brody Barry Betty they did a great job they did a great job so me making comment that that um, what's it called um, um, we weakens, weakens their performance it's not appropriate because they did a very very good job and and we've got nothing but congratulations for, for them so um, we'll we'll just focus on 2024 and we, um, we don't sign up to run second or mid-pack. We, we sign up to, to win championships and, and teams championships. We didn't do that this year. You can't win them all. Um, we've won, won more than we've lost. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we always do and fight back next year and see where, um, see where the competition's going to come.
1: The 7 times Supercars champion also talked to Daniel Herrero about Shane Van Gisbergen's legacy at Triple Eight and the impact of Will Brown replacing him.
4: Yeah,
2: it's been a tough game, particular six months for SVG, and unfortunately it didn't end as well as we would have liked today. But um, you put, you've almost got to put that to a side. He's been with us for eight years and won three championships and done an absolute phenomenal job. Of course, we'd like to think he was driving the quickest car the whole time, but but he single-handedly raised the level of, the, of, of our team and the category, and we... Um, we massively thank him for that and he's gonna be missed no doubt um, but it's time for it's time for him to to um, to take on a new challenge and we wish him all the best and no doubt it'll it'll get a, a spark in his eye um, when he moves over to the u.s it's gonna be new fresh and I think that's exactly what he needs and um, we're looking forward to seeing how he goes do you think the dynamic in a team will change much given it's you know Shane going out will coming in I think so. The driver driver has a huge influence over the uh, over the in, internal dynamic of a team, no doubt. So uh, it's a huge change. We welcome Will Brown on board. We will um, be catching up with him this week um, to welcome welcome him to the team. And um, yeah, looking forward to what him and him and Brock can do together, and how they can steer the engineering department in the in the um, you know and work with the engineering department to. To create two fast cars.
1: It was a tough year for Shell V Power Racing, which was far from the top four team. Certainly a brutal initiation for ex AFL coach David Noble as DJR team chief. Steep learning curve.
5: Um, oh, look, I've loved the challenge. I've loved the, uh, the aspect of understanding the sport, you know, understanding our staff seeing how it functions, see how supercars runs the competition. So, yeah, I've, I've loved my time.
1: Well, it's not been the season that you want for results. Yeah. And there was the parity problem that persisted, but I guess you can take some satisfaction from the fact that DJR's homologation team yeah. drove through the, the aero tweaks that in the end, well, seems to have made a very big difference.
5: Yeah, Oh, look, I'll, I'm extremely proud of our, our group and how they've persisted throughout the year. I think we've learned a lot along the way. We've learned a lot about ourselves and you know, we're proud that we've been able to help the category, particularly the Ford side, you know, get back up to a, a level of not only competitiveness, but an ability to win. And uh, look, some teams, congratulations to the, some of the other the Ford teams down the paddock the have been able to do it better than we have. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to see the, the Blue Oval up on the, on the podium again.
1: Recent results, those at the Gold Coast and here in Adelaide, suggests that, well, maybe there's not a parity problem anymore.
5: Well, look, the good thing is that we're going to the wind tunnel, we're doing some AVL testing, so we're we're using some more tools that we've not used in the category before, and that'll give us a really good indication as to where the the cars are at. Um, You know, we want to see what sort of calibrations now for the downforce on both cars so I think you know when we come back pre-Christmas or post Christmas when everybody analyzes the data hopefully we can get into the start of next season with some I guess some better evenness of the cars.
1: Well I guess the expectation and certainly the hope is that this influx of aero and and also transient dyno engine data Well, hopefully, it's going to put an end to any parity discussion when we go into next season.
5: Yeah, that's look. That's definitely the plan. I mean, we've, I think, a lot of teams have chatted to the to supercars about the parity measures. Um, you know, they've been able to put some financial backing behind it. Um, we're now sending people and sending cars overseas and engines to to really test and see if we can make our category um, what it's known for, which is close racing.
1: Board is. Finally happy that progress towards full technical parity is being made. But Ford Australia Motorsport Manager Ben Nodigal still laments what might have been.
6: Yeah, it it, it really did, folks. Um look, yeah, we we you know our teams and our drivers have been, you know, undeniably battling all season long. We got the uh, the adjustment for the Gold Coast race, and yeah, and it does demonstrate what, what might have been and what's possible and what our teams and drivers are capable of when they get the tools to do the job. And, um, you know, we've had now, um, you know, Waters took two wins, um, Grove now has taken two, and sensational to see, you know, Matt Payne, the rookie, taking a win in his, in his debut season. That's fantastic, sensational.
1: Someone suggest on the basis of these recent results that this parity problem is, is actually fixed.
6: Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, look. I think it's undeniably closer. Um, there's, still, there's still issues and there's still work to be done. And that's why we're doing all of this testing in the off season. Um, you know, we're going to go away and take the time to do all the measurements and do the testing and understand these cars using world's best practice. And that's what's needed. Um, and, um, and we're looking forward to it. It's going to be great because it will mean, hopefully mean that the 2024 season we roll out, we've got genuinely prioritised cars. And we can just go racing, and not talk about parity triggers and all of the stuff we've been discussing all year.
1: Well, all this wind tunnel testing and the transient dyno engine testing—it's got to work, hasn't it? It's—it's it's got to come up with a level playing field before we get to the opening round in two thousand twenty-four.
6: Yeah, it has to, and, and 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 that's and that's the point of it. Um, Supercars have to their credit, Barclay, Nettlefold and and, and and Shane Howell, they've recognised that we needed to do this. And they're investing a significant amount of time and money and resource, people, everything else to do this. Um, and yeah, because they've recognised we can't have another year in 2024 like we've had in 2023. And so, um, you know... For, for, for this to be occurring. It's the first time in supercars. It is world's best practice. It's what all of the, the best motorsport categories around the world do. And it's great that supercars is, is, is there now.
1: But Nightingale confirms that the wind tunnel aero matching and pending transient dyno engine tests do address Ford's season-long parity complaints.
6: Well, this is what we've been asking for, folks, is um, we've wanted supercars to to update their pr- the procedure and their process, to come up to, to world's best practice, to meet what all the other great motorsport categories around the world are doing. And they're now, and they're, they're, and they're doing that. And so, you know, our process around VCAT and all those things, it served us well up to a point. But now with these cars, they're undeniably closer than they've ever been. There's more control parts than there's ever been. So they've got to be closer than they've ever been. And the only way to do that is with this kind of testing.
1: And of course, Ford Performance engineers from both here and in the United States will, well, I don't know how you describe it, involved will certainly be monitoring the wind tunnel tests, won't they?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, our homologation team, DJR, will be sending um, a group of engineers we, of course, have Brendan McGuiniskin, our Ford Performance um, lead engineer in Australia, and um, we've got US-based engineering team who'll be involved in the process as well, aerodynamics people and the like. So yeah, we're, we're, we're putting lots of resource into that too. GM on their side, same thing. Triple A sending people, GM sending people, and supercars have their team going over as well. So yeah, there's plenty of brains involved, and um, we've got now, we believe, the right people. Supercars have got the right people involved. They've engaged um, good contractors, good, good independent experts to get us the answers that we're looking for.
1: The top performing Ford team in the driver's championship was GM defector Walkinshaw Andretti United. That's the former Holden racing team. Chaz Mostert came home fourth as team owner Ryan Walkinshaw reported that WAU's controversial switch to Ford achieved its initial goal.
7: Uh, well, our primary goal at the beginning of the season was to be the number one Ford car in, uh, in the championship and, uh, you know, as long as there's not any uh, any terrible situation that occurs in the race today, Chaz should be the leading Ford car uh, across the season in either fourth or fifth position in the championship, which, um, you know, isn't bad from that perspective considering everything that's gone on with, with the parity this year. Um, but obviously, we're here to win, and we're here to win championships, and um, unfortunately, we've not had a, a fair crack of doing that this year due to the parity, um, and uh, yeah, it's, um, it's it's been a challenging year for sure. Um, but, you know, we've uh, got a plan in the off-season. Supercars have got a plan in the off-season, and we hope the next year will be uh, a, a, a better fight for us.
1: Has the parity issue actually been fixed? I mean, Gold Coast and here, the Fords are right in it, in fact, setting the pace.
7: Um, yes, yeah, there's certainly been an improvement. Um, you know, some of the, the uh, parts have been added to the car at Gold Coast as well. At least Walker andrea United was saying we wanted, as well as Tickford, to have been done in, uh, for the Townsville race. Um, so it's good that we finally got them, but obviously, you know, with two rounds left in the season, um, it's a little bit too little, too late. Um, it's good to see the teams that have been consistently the top in the top five teams across the last uh, sort of four or five years in this category um, all of a sudden being competitive again um, after those changes. So uh, and all the CFD proves that the changes that were made uh, has got us much closer to the Camaro on uh, on, on Aero. So that's good. Um, it's a shame that we haven't had that all season because I think it would have been a much stronger year for Ford. If we'd had that, um, you know, from the start of the year, or at least even halfway through, um, there's still engine issues that need to be resolved, and that's for Ford to work on in the off-season. In, in along along supercars, uh, along with supercars, um, but you know, thankfully, we're sending two cars to the wind tunnel, which um, which you know should hopefully give us a better result than the previous work we've done to try and get aero
1: parity. Walkershaw well, was quick to point out, however, that the expensive wind tunnel tests won't necessarily be the end of the parody argument.
7: Um, well, not necessarily, because look, we've never used a wind tunnel before. There's a lot of work that's going into it, a lot of cost that's going into it. And there's a lot of very smart people going over there to do that work. But ultimately, there's still, um, we're still reliant on homologation teams um, doing a good job um, and making sure that the data we get out of that wind tunnel test is applied in the appropriate way. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're going from a, a normal computer to a constant computer um, so, you know We've got to make sure that we don't end up leaving that wind tunnel with more questions than we have answers to uh, And ultimately, you know, they're still not perfect uh, We're only going there for a short period of time and if you look at NASCAR and IndyCar, you know Those cars are in those wind tunnels regularly throughout the year uh, So uh, There is obviously still a risk that um, the aero won't be sorted with the wind tunnel um, Although it should be uh, much better a much better process and a much better tool to try and make sure that the errors that we've had this year uh don't occur again um in saying that you know there's still a lot that can go wrong in a wind tunnel um they're very very complicated and you're still reliant on human beings and whenever you've got human beings involved errors can, can 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 occur so um you know at least we're making the right step forward to uh to take those cars over there um but ultimately uh there may be requirements for doing more aero changes in the future um, or sending cars back at the end of next season again or if we get a new manufacturer that comes in next uh, for 25 or 26 you know what happens in those situations so um, it, it's definitely a much better tool um, you know we seem to have the right people going there for the most part and uh, I hope that the result is going to be a, a positive and fair one going forward because what no one wants in this sport particularly no one from supercars is, is another year uh, where it's been as unbalanced as it has been this year
1: And the change of technical, the change of technical leadership at Supercars, is that a step forward as far as you're concerned? I mean,
7: uh, I, I rate Tim Edwards uh, highly. I think he's um, he's been around the sport for a very long time. He's worked uh, in Team Land for for a long time and he's been successful in Team Land for a long time. So, um, you know, it's been a frustrating year. For a lot of people in supercars and in Team Land, um, so I think it's going to be refreshing to have someone like Tim coming in and uh, and being part of, uh, of, of of the solution going forward.
1: Monaco-based Walkinshaw also revealed that fans have embraced WAU's defection to Ford.
7: Well, we've uh, we use um, third-party uh, Nielsen data to be able to do all of our analysis on these sort of things. And um, yes, there was concern that we were going to have a fan drop-off going into into this year. Um, however, the independently uh, sourced uh, data actually shows the, the the opposite effect has been true. We've, we've gathered a huge amount of Ford fans that have um, given us a net better results than we had with our fan base just from uh, just from GM Holden. So, um, on our popularity rating in the sport, we've gone from the fourth most popular team when we were with GM. Uh, over the last couple of seasons to the second most popular team in the sport this year, which is um, a fantastic shift. And it shows that the Ford fans have embraced us, um, which is um, something we're very, very proud of. And also uh, demonstrates that the vast majority of our previous Holden fans have, uh, have supported us across, across the bridge to Ford as well. So, um, you know, are obviously very thankful for that. And, um, you know, it shows that the, the switch we made um, wasn't as damaging as it could have been. And in fact, was probably the right one.
1: All eyes are on the wind tunnel aero testing starting at the end of next week, but as Walkenshaw noted, engine parity remains an issue. Now, we also understand that initial transient dyno engine tests to fully equalise the disparate Ford and Chev V8s will also be conducted in America. That's because the expensive upgrade of the AVL transient dyno in Melbourne has been further delayed. More to come after this short break. Race Fuels is
5: Australia's leading supplier of racing fuels. And with the new Bowser's at Queensland Raceway, it's never been easier to source your racing fuel trackside. Race 102 is imported racing fuel direct from Europe. Offering power and protection, the Elf Race 102 is a popular fuel with racers seeking gains over pump fuel. Improve your lap times with Elf Race 102. www.racefuels.com.au All your fuel at the racetrack.
0: You're listening to the Speed Cafe newscast.
1: Welcome back. At the Velo Adelaide 500, Rebel outfit Erebus Motorsport ended the super team stranglehold on the supercars championships. Dominated by factory-backed squads for more than a decade, privateer Coca-Cola Racing beat Triple Eight to the team's title as Brody Kostecki clinched the driver's crown. It was a great result for the sport and confirmed Kostecki as the new V8 superstar winning the title in just his third full season as he upstaged the fractious NASCAR-bound SVG. Now, as he celebrated his triumph on Monday morning, hard-nosed racer Kostecki came across as a, well, a very humble champion.
3: Yeah, it means a lot to myself. Worked uh, very hard to get to this um, this point in my career, but um, still have a lot more that I want to achieve. And it's, um, you know, it's... It's an honour to be the first to, uh, you know, deliver Erebusa uh, uh, Drivers Championship, and you know, for both myself and Will Brown to, you know, deliver a Teams Championship as well.
7: Has it
3: really sunk in yet? Um, yeah, I, I think last night it started to sink in a little bit. Um, you know, I started celebrating with the team, and and um, yeah, we um, enjoyed ourselves last night, and you know, that's when it really started to sink in. Is when I was around my team members and seeing all the hard hard work that they put in, and, and you know, seeing the emotions that they had last night is um, yeah, when it started to really sink in for myself. Yeah, a bit of a strange weekend for that, but um, motorsport's pretty crazy at times. And, you know, we had a bit of a lull, um, you know, halfway through the season where, you know, we, you know, we as a team had a few issues going on and, and um, yeah, it's just how the game goes sometimes. It's um, very hard to predict, but uh, we just tried to focus on ourselves and, you know, do the best that we could. And, and um, yeah, we didn't have the best weekend, but, um, yeah, to still come away with the Drivers and Team Championship is just amazing. How amazing is it
5: to, I guess, win that Team Championship as well? So important for everyone at Airbnb?
3: Yeah, it means a lot to everyone that's within the team. It's uh, you know motorsports a funny sport. It's uh, a lot different than normal sports where there's 20 or 30 people out on a field playing you know in front of a TV. Whereas you know it seems like it's just us at times. You know us as drivers, but uh, there's a you know a, a field of 20 people back at the workshop and around the team that aren't on the cameras and you know they they put in all the hard work and and uh, and uh, I'm I'm just happy enough that they um you know that I'm the one that gets to you know deliver them the trophies and you know do the job for them. Yeah, it's some last night. They've um, continued on this morning, so I'm glad I'm still standing.
1: Earlier, Kostecki identified at what stage in the series that he started to entertain the idea of winning the championship.
3: Uh, Probably, you know, probably just before halfway through the season. um, You know, we started quite strong. We went through a bit of a lull period, and you know, made a few mistakes, a few mechanicals, but. yeah we got our act back together and and um, you know went to sydney um, you know won the first race there and and um, yeah we we um, come back at talon bend won all three races there and and um, you know we're really strong from from there on and um yeah I tried to not focus on the championship too much and and just you know focus on the round um, at hand and um, just take it one day at a time and and you know the team the team's done a fantastic job executed All year, and um, it was it was sort of one of those funny years. Every every time we seemed to make a a small mistake, Um, you know, Triple Eight was sort of you know very close there, and you know when when we had a bad day, that a bad day. So it was yeah it was very weird in that sense. But um, yeah, glad to be you know walking away tonight as as um, you know driver champion, and and, um, you know proud to be driving for the team that's won the team championship.
1: Of course, Erebus's double triumph was a barrier busting breakthrough for wealthy, eccentric team owner, Betty Clemenko, A fan favourite, Clemenko is beyond proud of Kostecki and, in fact, her whole squad of, well, they're self-described as misfits, and led, of course, by the irascible Barry Ryan.
4: It's more than proud. I don't know if there is a word that means more than proud, but that's my word. Yeah, I'm I'm over the moon. I'm ecstatic, it's... it's it took five years to win Bathurst and then another five to win the championship. And I am elated. You know, my bucket list, it's tick, tick.
1: Well of course, you took a, a bit of a bet on Brody. Wow. Sure paid off.
4: Well, yeah, I actually didn't want him there because we'd already got a rookie and I just <laughs> said and Barry just hammered me and hammered mm. me and I went, Okay, 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 we'll take Brody. And so we took Brody and look where we are now.
1: Mm. Well, he's become such a strong team leader and and the good news too is he'll be back next year at least.
4: Yes, he will. He will definitely be here next year and uh, Jack LeBrock will be here and hopefully the two of them can do this again.
1: And of course, Brody's going to try his hand at a bit of NASCAR, um, which is exciting for him, but he does it with your blessing, doesn't he?
4: Oh, yeah, definitely. After... V8s, I'd say, and uh, NASCAR is my next favourite.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it's this is the 10th anniversary season for you in supercars. So Bathurst was big. Now this drivers' championship, but it, it's been a tough. Well, it's been a long 10 years, hasn't it? And as we've discussed before, very costly. But this makes it all worth it, doesn't it?
4: It does, and you know I remember all those words that were said to me from. You know, other owners and people, Mm -hmm. they told me, "Mad, I'll never do this, we'd never get there. And I just, now I can let them go. They can go into the ether and I can just sit back and say, oh, I did it.
1: Mm. Is this, I mean, it's obviously up there, but is it in some ways better than winning the Bathurst 1000?
4: It's not better, it's different. Because Bathurst is obtainable. It's a one race. Championship is not one race. And I think people always say, you know, oh, everyone remembers who won Bathurst and not the championship. That's only because the championship was so far away for so many people. Mm. Now, a privateer team has won it. A woman Mm. owner has won it. And no privateer has won it in 15 years. And no woman has ever won it. So we've changed the history of this sport now. And... I'm proud of myself too.
1: Well, you've certainly struck a blow for different.
4: Yeah, but you know we're known for that.
1: Mm. No, but I'm talking about the bigger picture.
4: No, no, I know, I know. We Erebus is we we're known for doing things a little in the odd way. We don't we don't really do it in the, in the normal way, but that's us.
1: Great to hear that Betty won't let success go to her head. Next February's Bathurst 12-Hour and Bathurst 500 double-header 2024 season opener is shaping up as a fan-heaven event. Billed as the Bathurst Superfest, it'll be a 10-day festival of racing and fan-friendly events. With new big backing from Repco, the Bathurst 12-Hour organisers are promising that Australia's international endurance race will be bigger and better than ever. Here's Bathurst 12-hour event director Shane Russis to explain why.
8: Well I think we're coming off the back end of a 2023 Bathurst 12-hour which uh, it got us out of COVID. COVID was affected the event quite significantly. Um, the world came back we've got an amazing show with cars on track but also with the extras that we saw such as the Red Bull, Oracle Red F1 car, and also the um, and also a certain uh, Italian motorcycle rider who came along as well. Um, I can't confirm exact details yet for 24, What I can confirm, we'll be seeing a grid size um, up to those pre-COVID levels. So. Um, between 35 to 40 cars is what we'll see across um, multiple classes Um, what we'll see is also some crazy demonstrations um, of cars never before seen in Australia which we're just finalizing those at the moment which is very very cool for the event as the atmosphere the festival atmosphere is what the 12 hour is um, and also from a driver lineup best GT drivers in the world are coming um, taking on Australia's best drivers um, and also a few um, a few um, superstars coming along, which I won't confirm yet, but you uh, stay tuned uh, you'll know in the next uh, month or so. Mm.
1: So you're expecting more big name international drivers and also teams to return?
8: Yeah, definitely. So
1: all those existing teams we've had from overseas who come every year,
8: um, they're, all, they're, they're, they're all coming back. They they love the event. It's it's higher on the agenda. I mean, mm. I when I was in Spa um, earlier this year, a lot of teams were coming up to me and they 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 they're, they're love the event. They can relax if it's they're it's their kind of, everyone comes to the event, big smile on their face, enjoying their Australian hospitality. Um, but those teams are coming back. But additional to that, a lot of teams who planned pre-COVID to come over had to put on the back burner. And that's due to things like um, um, COVID, it's due to freight costs going up. They're all um, they're keen to come back. So there are some new teams. Expect to see, yeah, about two or three new teams coming out to Australia. Um, which has been great for the language, the language barrier. It's been, it's, it's been a, a bit complicated logistics to get them to come here, but that it. they're all pumped. They're coming out here, and again, stay tuned. Some good, uh, some good media releases will be coming out the next uh, month or so. But I think everyone will be very excited about the event come February.
1: Rudd says teases that the 12-hour will be full of global headliners, including a possible return by MotoGP legend Valentino Rossi. So we're just fine tuning
8: a few of the driver lineups at the moment. Um, a lot of inquiry from drivers we who haven't been to Bathurst before, who have it on their bucket list. Because when you look at the uh, drivers wanting to race at Bathurst, very hard in supercar world. About the six hours great, but they want to go with something more powerful, a GT3 car. Especially when they do a lot of sim work, they want to come and race those. Now, a lot of drivers I can't place in teams because that's not my responsibility to go and do that. But the interest level is extremely high, and how I get phone calls and emails. How do I get to race at Bathurst? Um, we um, so we will see we will see uh, some some new some new drivers coming over uh, but also some uh, some drivers from before who're there but the good thing about it is from fans whether you're a motor racing fan or not that some some these big names they're going to um, yeah make you go like, wow we get to get to meet these stars as we saw last um, so last year but this year in 23 um, of, of, uh, of Valentino so yeah
1: well if Valentino Rossi were to come back that that certainly would be well he's a draw card time, isn't he he, uh,
8: he he what we saw um, what we saw this year was he's a true superstar and an absolute gentleman and respects the place. He he fell in love with it with the uh, with the not just the, the track itself but also with the um, the hospitality of Australians out here. Um, the, he went home and he's telling everybody how he loves it. Um, let's see if he comes back. Um, watch this space. I'm hoping he does um, and hopefully I have some good news in a not too distant future. Um, but yeah, I mean the way that anyone who met him at the track, he gave us so much time and it was almost. He the way he know he respects his position, and he's there for the for the fans, um, and also to see that autograph line up on the Saturday at the event. We always thought Lounsi had the biggest queue, but he was beaten this time around, and and Valentina had that big queue. So, we um, should he decide to come back and uh, with the team, we, it's open arms and and and
1: in he and uh, welcome him back in the in our country into the, to Bathurst. Also, just a week out from Supercars starting the season at Mount Panorama. Runcus predicts more V8 stars in the 12-hour than ever before. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a definite advantage. If if a, a supercar driver can
8: get a seat in a uh, an existing car, whether that be GT3, G 4 Invitational classes, beneficial to, to go and, to get those seats. Um, there has been a, a lot of discussion. I, I, the, the way it looks at the moment, we'll have more supercar drivers on the grid than we've ever had, taking on the international, which is a fantastic thing for our sport. Um, I think it's, and, then, and the Bathurst 500 being the week after the 12 hour has its advantages too. I think for the 12 hour, it's gonna expose the event to a, a new audience, a, a wide audience, and um, we wanna come. Um, from a supercar perspective we're going to actually offer a ticket pricing and camping pricing discount for those who want to come and do both events. So we're actually opening up the um, the door there to say let's stay for the 10 day Bathurst Superfest and enjoy it. I mean it's to have a great time of the year in February and those who have been to the 12 hour knows that it's a positive atmosphere, the great weather we have um, to stay there for 10 days um, camping or, or staying in the accommodation, enjoying the atmosphere throughout the town um, over those 10 days is something that is very rare and, and may not be seen again, it's, a, it's an opportunity that's come together and it's. Um, I think the way we taught the Bathurst Regional Council, they're extremely happy and um, excited about what we're going to deliver in February.
1: For dedicated racing fans, B12 boss Rudsus says the Bathurst Superfest will have plenty going on at Mount Panorama and in town between the racing. So we're working through plans at the moment, but we're going to be doing activity
8: both in town and at track. Um, over those, over those days. So as things get finalised, I mean, obviously, it's um, from a timeline perspective, I mean, uh, the decision from a Newcastle perspective has put us under a great pressure to go and do something. But the advantage is um, the, the supercar business being so good at running entertainment events, we've got a lot of opportunity to go and fill that space. But even like doing some cool things for our volunteers, which are very important for both events, it's a long time to be there but we're, um, we're hard at work um, of doing some some uh, you know, engaging things that we can do over that time and some and some unique different things as well, which you've probably never seen of at a motorsport or supercars event, but again, yeah, important for the town. I mean, the, the restaurants, the hotels, the pubs, they're, they're, they're so excited to, to be open for that, those 10 days and be welcoming those from around Australia and around the world um, into the
1: town. But at the track, particularly for those who are staying for the duration, but coming in, it sounds like that, you know, monday through thursday in between there's going to be something happening every day at the track uh- Potentially, we, we've got to be very
8: careful. We can't get full-track access due to limitation of, of, of about days for the year you can use it. So, and we would love to use the track, but we've got to be very sensitive and careful about those residents who live there. Um, we are looking at doing some activities, um, which again, it won't be using the full-track, but there might, might be some stuff there. Um, but in the paddock and the... Yeah, yeah de- and, uh, definitely the, ar- the areas there. So just note that in between that we've got to bump out all these international containers and everything and bump in supercars. The track signage has got to be changed over, which is no means feat. I think uh, Sign Event, who are the, the best in the in the game, in want to spend the best in the world actually, have got to squeeze in what is four weeks worth of work into <laughs> into, into, into four days, and, um, and they're they're all across. They're working through the plans at the moment, but again, the precinct's so big, um, we, we're working on plans to make sure those campers have things to do, and
1: um, again, activity both at track and also in in the town itself. The Bathurst Superfest is a one-off emergency. But it may just capture the imagination of hardcore fans. More still to come. Speedcafe.com Your number one source for all the latest
5: motorsport news and features. Breaking news. Live event updates. Unprecedented global motorsport coverage. Performance motoring news and reviews. All in the palm of your hand, anywhere, anytime. Speedcafe.com. First, fast
1: and free.
0: You're listening to the Speed Cafe Newscast.
1: I'm Mark Fogarty and you're listening to the Speed Cafe Newscast. The Australian racing season wrapped up in Adelaide, which featured a slew of support series title deciders. Overseas, Formula One finished its longest season ever in Abu Dhabi, which also saw the Formula Two title decided. And in MotoGP, Francesco Bagnaia grabbed his second straight world title in Valencia. With a roundup of all the weekend's action here and abroad, here's Jackie.
0: Ryan Wood was victorious in both Super 2 races in Adelaide in a major confidence boost before joining the Supercars main game next year. Zach Best was in contention to win the overall title before a penalty in race one cost him. It left Kai Allen as the Super 2 champion for the 2023 season. The 18-year-old is the youngest driver to win a Super 2 championship and is only the fifth teenager to do it. Callum Hedge was crowned champion of the 2023 Porsche Carrera Cup Australia Series in Adelaide, but it was Hedge's fellow El Bamba Motorsport teammate, Dale Wood, who won the weekend's races. A crash in the opening lap of the final race saw Jackson Wells eliminated from the title fight. Yasser Shahin and Matt Campbell took two wins in their EMA Motorsport Porsche at the final round of the Fanatec GT World Australia. Liam Talbot and Chris Myers took the remaining wins, with Talbot securing the overall title. Class winners included Brad Schumacher, Marcos Flack and John Goodacre. Joel Heinrich remains undefeated in the Touring Car Masters in South Australia after achieving a clean sweep at the weekend. Stephen Johnson took home the overall title ahead of John Bow. The S5000 Australian Drivers' Championship was decided in favour of Aaron Cameron from Gary Rogers Motorsport. He dominated the event, taking pole position and won all three races. And current V8 Super Utes champion Aaron Borg won three of the four races in Adelaide. David Siders took victory in race four. In Abu Dhabi, Max Verstappen claimed his 19th win of the season in Formula One's final round of the year. He was joined on the podium by Ferrari's Charles Leclerc and Mercedes' George Russell. It pushed Mercedes into second in the championship behind Red Bull. Sergio Perez was pushed back from second into fourth place after being handed a five-second penalty after the race. He was found in breach of the International Sporting Code when he had a colourful outburst over the radio after making contact with Lando Norris. Australian Oscar Piastri finished sixth, ending his rookie year ninth overall. Daniel Ricciardo was 11th, finishing the season in 17th after missing five rounds with a broken hand. Formula One will be back racing in 2024 at the end of February in Bahrain. Australia's Jack Dewan ended his Formula Two career on a high, winning in Abu Dhabi. Frederick Vesti won the sprint race on Saturday, but it was Theo Pocher who won the overall title to Spain, where a dramatic final round of the MotoGP season was held. Jorge Martin won the sprint race before crashing out of the Grand Prix in a nasty tangle with Marc Marquez. Ducati's Francesco bagnaya took home the race victory and overall title, which left the Italian lost for words. Australian Jack Miller was 12th in the sprint race before crashing out in the final Grand Prix of the season. The 2024 MotoGP season is set to kick off in March next year. And in other major motorsport news, Richie Stanaway will compete for Grove Racing before the year is out, racing in the Golf 12 Hours in Abu Dhabi. The New Zealander will share a Porsche 911 GT3R with Stephen and Brenton Grove. This is Jackie Shivey for Speed Cafe.
1: Thanks, Jackie. Well, that's it for now. I'm taking a break, so Andrew Van Leeuwen will be in the chair next Monday. In the meantime, go to speedcafe.com for everything that's happening in motorsport. And come back on Thursday for the Speed Cafe podcast, featuring an extended interview with a very big name in supercars. And don't forget the Race Fuels Grassroots Racing podcast, where this time national racing gurus Gary O'Brien and Darren Smith talk with sports sedan stalwart Kerry fireball failing. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening.
0: You've just listened to a Speed Cafe Pod Hub production.